This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Chuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. Many business owners grew up in a family with a long entrepreneurship history. These families often pass down their knowledge and skills from generation to generation. However, they become so accustomed to tradition that they sometimes fail to recognise its potential limitations. In today's ever-changing business landscape, how can you stand out and stay ahead of the game? That's exactly the question we'll answer in today's episode. With us on the bottom line is Andrew Crosby. Andrew is a retired business owner and founder of Blinds Online, an e-commerce business that sells blinds all over Australia. Andrew takes us through his entrepreneurial journey in starting his e-commerce business and how he ultimately decided to sell his company. You'll discover the key elements in successfully building a business, gain insights on what happens during the M&A process, and you'll hear Andrew share his thoughts on which industry he would choose if starting a business again. Let's dive in. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining me on The Bottom Line today. No problem. Really excited today. And for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little about you? Finished school at the end of Form 5 or Year 11 as I do nowadays. Basically went straight to work with my father and my brother, which eventually turned into Dollar Curtains. Uh, It used to be Crosby Furnishings. Turned into Dollar Curtains. We got it up to about 35 shops. I then got out to do my own thing. A few years later went broke, which I think everybody should do at least once. Then went out on my own, again in window furnishings, because that's what the family specialised in. Dad gave me the love of retail, of selling. That was what it was all about and the joy of selling. Been in window furnishings for like, well, up until I retired, about 40 years. Then my wife, Jill, started messing around on eBay, of all things. I was getting all this stuff in the mail, bowls and crystal vases and you name it. And then I made it to the challenge, uh, why don't you try and sell a blind on eBay? She started selling blinds on eBay. We had our own little Crosby online, I think we called it. Within about four months, we had our own representative from Canada, eBay, ringing us up to look after us, which was a surprise. It grew and grew and then we decided maybe we should get a website. We got a website. Long story there, three or four different developers, the first lot were useless. And then it just took off. It absolutely um, flew. Wow, what a story. That sound. we've got to unpack a fair bit of that. Yeah. Now. Take us a little bit back to Dollar Curtains. Were you an employee or were you part of the family business? It was family business. Dollar Curtains in Melbourne, quite famous. There were 35 stores. You couldn't miss it. Tell us about the journey of the growth in that area. Well, that started out as Crosby Furnishings. That was my father's business name. And that's where my brother and I were working, fitting and making curtains and, and all that sort of thing. Then we got this idea from Queensland, Dollar Curtains. A guy up there had 21 stores. We went up and saw him and basically it was just selling fabric by the meter, no making, nothing, just selling rolls of fabric by the meter, $1, $2 and $3 a meter. That's all it was. 
Anyway, we bought it down here and started playing with it and we ended up just opening shop after shop after shop and then Sheridan, who used to be in curtain materials, they shut down their whole window furniture or their curtain division. They had a million dollars worth of fabric, which we went in and basically bought over a couple of days. We had about three years to pay that off. That was fun. And then, it, yeah, the dollar just grew and grew. And then I decided to go and do something with a partner out of Taiwan, and that was called Shade World. Is that the one you went broke on? Yeah. Tell us about that because we, we want to hear, you said everyone needs to do it once, and I'm assuming that's because you learn from the failures to be successful. I'm not sure if that's the case, but tell us yeah. that story. Look, it was a great concept. We were a partnership with a company in Taiwan who produced hardware and fabrics for vertical blinds. We copied a store out of Canada, Obor Marche, who was a phenomenally successful business, and we brought that model back down here. Off we went. We had a shop in Mitcham. It was doing okay, but it had reasonably high overheads, and it wasn't doing as well. It wasn't because of family issues. It wasn't well supported by dollar curtains. So I basically had to do that on my own, and eventually, long story short, it ended up having to fold. And that's when I, I wasn't going back to dollar. I was going to go out and do it on my own which we did. You were very, very early to set up an e-commerce business. I didn't realize it was Jill behind the scenes that's got it going. Tell us about what made the decision for you. I mean, you kind of told the story early on. Did you always have e-commerce behind the scenes or no. was it just something that just grew and grew? It was the funniest story. As I, as I said before, Jill will hate me saying this, but she's not the retailer type. She's not the one to go into the showroom and interact with customers, which I love doing. I love talking to customers and sharing the knowledge. So she'd be sitting out the back and I'd walk around. Here she is on eBay, literally, you know, buying things. What year and was it? Because this is early stages. Yeah, I'm, what terrib- I I'm terrible on dates. It's probably 2005. Wow, that is early. Yeah. Because that's 18 it was a years ago. It was, yeah. a sl- it was a slow start. We started on, as I say, eBay. Then we got our own, was Crosby Online was the name of the website. Then fortuitously... I found Blinds Online, which was the best domain name, but some guy was sitting on it in Western Australia under construction. He used to hate that on a screen. Anyway, six months later, I went back, still under construction. So I put in a claim with Domains Australia saying, you can't squat a name like that. So it was put into quarantine for about a month and then we got the domain name, best domain name. We then had to go through developers. The first developer for a website was the guy who serviced our computers. Well, that didn't last too long. <laughs> then it was a guy in Berwick. He was in advertising. He was going to be really, really good. Uh, that didn't last too long. Then we thought, no, we'll go to the big ones. So we went to another company who has since gone broke, Exa, I can say that, who they were doing government jobs. They did gob-free vacuum cleaners. Oh, they were big. That didn't work too well. They were cutting all the code in India and every time you made a change, it would take two weeks and when it came back, it was the wrong colour. We said blue, not green. Oh, we'll mm. get that fixed. So then we found a company in Sydney and we put them right through the ringer. Jill put them through the ringer. We want to know what you can do. We want to talk to the guy who writes the code. So eventually they sent him down and we sat down with him all day and we said, right, we want to be able to do this and this. And Matt, earring in one ear and long-haired, bearded, he works from five in the afternoon till three in the morning and he was brilliant. Anything that Jill would say, because she was into the design side, anything she would say, we want this upside down and we want to be able to do that, they could do it. So then we're on a winner there. And that comes down to one of my main points for running a good business. Use the best people you can find and don't care what you pay them. And don't give up. 
You don't kept give up. pursuing oh, for Jesus. the best person, oh, right? Yeah. And we lost a lot of time in that regard. We had other competitors in the industry that were miles ahead of us at the time. But eventually we got through and we discovered that was the thing. Another one we chose was a design company. I knew our colours were wrong and I knew our look was wrong. It was gold and burgundy and all this sort of stuff. And that wasn't right. So we got on to Davidson Marketing and they were awesome. We actually met them at a council dinner. Mm. Casey Council used to throw business dinners. And we would go to any of these sorts of things to speak to people and get knowledge and all this sort of thing. Davidson were out there. And anyway, they came out and they said, right, what do you do? How do you do it? Who do you do it to? How often do you do it to them? Well, you know, what's up? What's down? What's left? What's right? And they, they gleaned all this information. Then they came up with this in their boardroom. Must have been 200 A4 sheets of paper on the wall of all these colours and designs and so on. And we did a melding. Are we selling on cheap, speed, quality or simplicity? I think what the other ones were. And we did a melding of those. And I'm not joking, we changed our website. They gave us a design for the showroom, including a model on the, on the desk, which was really cute. We copied that almost to the letter. We changed the website. Within about four months, we doubled our turnover. Wow. Absolutely doubled our turnover without thing. So I forget what we paid them. I would have paid them three times. Wow. They were brilliant. So again, That's it comes great. down to find the best people in their fields, use them, and don't begrudge what you pay them because they made their money up 10 times over. For our listeners that don't know Blinds Online, so you started it with zero revenue and you just said it doubled in revenue post this sort of advertising and branding exercise. But tell us the revenue journey. See, because I know you got to a seriously high revenue at Exit. How quickly did that happen? In what time frame was that? Oh, it was only a matter of years. I think it was seven or eight years. So seven, eight years. What revenue? So it went from zero to what? We got up to about 13 million. Revenue. That is oh, yeah. amazing. The statistics on it were insane. Very quickly, the company that bought us, there were two companies vying for us. One was Spotlight. They were really dark. They didn't get it. And the other one was Hunter Douglas Luxaflex out of New York. They wanted us. We were sitting down having a chat in our boardroom with the Australian Managing Director and Financial Controller. And he was saying that Luxaflex Australia was the highest turnover per employee of any of their divisions in the world. I quickly got my little calculator out and I smiled at Peter and I said, you know we're double that? And he just looked at me and smiled and said, yeah, we know. <laughs> we only had 11 employees plus Jill and I turning over at yeah. the last the last year was almost $13 million Great out story. of two tiny little factories in Narry Warren. Was it always part of your plan to exit? Was it a retirement thing or was it a business exit strategy thing? Oh, good question. No, it was based on the fact that we'd known a lot of people who were either sick or died or whatever. And we thought, when is enough enough? And I, I distinctly remember we were driving down the peninsula and Jill and I were in the car chatting away and we said, right, Leo, this is it. We had spoken to Leo here and we actually rang him from the car and said, right, Leo, put it in place. Let's do it. And why keep going? I mean, I did love work. Mon you know, Fridays were great, but Mondays were even better. It was a hobby. I loved it. I think Jill was starting to lose the passion in the design side of it and then we thought we can travel the world, we can do whatever we like. What's Hunter Douglas done with it? So if I Google Blinds Online now, is it still around? What have oh, they done still, with the business? It's still around. They've changed the name. Heaven knows why. It's yes. Changed. Well, it was bought through an English company they had which was an online business so they used them to do the actual purchase. They've now changed the name to Chewis Blinds Online. No idea. I know it's doing well but I couldn't tell you another word. We walked out the door 
June 30, 2016, with my pen and my calculator, basically never walked back. So you went through the exit process and you grew really fast. So you would have had some growing pains, but did you have to do anything prior to the sale to get the business ready for sale? Oh, no, not really. We had uh, Jeffrey here did all the figures. I think it was like 12 months, hard work. And I'll, I'll tell you now, it was the most stressful time in our lives, especially that last couple of weeks. It was incredible. But we had very little stock. We had our fixtures and fittings. Our numbers were as clean as a whistle. I mean, everything came in online because it was credit cards, it was bank deposits, there was no cash. It should have been very simple to do. But of course, everybody wanted to know every last penny of whatever. So that took a bit of putting together. Now you went through the M&A process. Can you take us through a little bit deeper into that journey? You said it was quite stressful. Take us through the journey and give us some advice on little bits where things may have gone wrong and you're like, oh, probably would have done that differently then or would you have... For the sale process. Yeah, just tell us through the sale process. Was that a... I know that it's always stressful. It's the last sale you do in the business. Take us through that journey and maybe paint a picture for our listeners that along that journey, what advice would you have yeah, you, for you, our listeners you, that go through You're finalising everything you've worked for in your entire working history because at that point, as I say, when I walked out the door... That shut everything down. Everything stopped as far as business was concerned. People ask me, why, why didn't you get into something else? I go, oh, no, I've lost interest in doing that. No, I wouldn't have changed much at all. Leo did a great job. Jeffrey did a phenomenal job here. Alice, she actually handled the sale. Probably the only difference there would be, and Alice said, you can't do that. I would have put Spotlight in one room and Hunter Douglas in the other room and I would have beat one up against the other. It never got down to a bidding war. No. You had to put in your best offer. Neither was told what the other person's offer was. And Alice said, no, you, you can't actually do that. And now I would look back and I go, stuff that. Sorry, it's my business we're selling. I mean, we got eight and a quarter times EBITDA. That's a great result. Well, e-commerce business result. Oh, e-commerce business is good, but that is a great result. That's a good multiple for a business of your size. It's funny, I do know a lot about M&A and we do a lot of that in, in our accounting firm. It is something that they don't do and I've, I've wondered that in the past. In Melbourne, we we love auctions and you can see that emotional attachment to it. Exactly. And I know why they don't do it, but I can see why. Actually, why, business owners, tell me, why don't they do it? Well, they don't do it because it's not bricks and mortar and land and easy to sell. There's so many intricacies in that. So it's not something you can bid fast over and over again. You, there was you no, generally... There was no fast or slow. They all had the numbers on the table and the numbers were very clean, very simple. Yeah. We had a 26% growth per annum for the last three years, 26%. Amazing. We had an EBITDA of 23% and a GP of 44. You do the numbers. Yeah. They could look at that on a piece of paper. And I know Spotlight were really dark when they didn't get it. The guy that was handling their mergers and acquisitions actually lost his job. Do you think if they knew the offer on the other side, they would have gone up? Yep. Okay. Well, who knows? But the other thing that they wanted... Um, retention, retention. A large retention yeah, period. Yeah, they wanted like five years. And there was no way I was going to be sitting in some other office while somebody else was running the business and they're not going to listen to what I had to, yeah. what we had to input. Whereas Hunter Douglas said, no, 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 you just, you know, you leave. 30th of June was the settlement date. We just walked out the door. Clean. That's a good sell. Yeah. Now, over the course of your business journey... Obviously, outside of your staff, you would have relied on a lot of other people. Did you have 
mentors or people you leaned on outside of your staff? Yeah, good point. All our staff are phenomenal. I'll give you that. We had an excellent search engine optimization, Mark Lindsay. He was dynamite. He knew his Google AdWords beautifully. He was brilliant. And the analytics and all that sort of stuff. Again, Davidson Branding for their bit, web development for their bit. Basically, everything else we did. We had good suppliers. When you're getting up to becoming a major client with these suppliers, one was on the other, hoppers crossing the other side of town, you could ring them up and ask them for anything and they'd do it in 10 minutes. I always paid my account seven days. That's the other advantage of an e-commerce business. You're rolling in it. It comes in before you've had to pay for your products. Mm. So cash flow was never an issue. So I always paid, I love paying bills. When you've been broke once and it comes to paying bills after that, you love paying bills when you've got the ability to do so. So I used to pay everything seven days. That's actually good advice. We have a lot of clients in the property and construction industry and, and they're all good clients and they're great businesses. But one of the things they all have in common is that they pay their suppliers sometimes earlier than when they're due, like you suggested there. And it's a fight for good trades out there in the property and construction industry. And it's the ones that treat their suppliers with respect. It's just a great relationship. So we do see that in some other industries where it's a strategy or good business. Good business. And you've done that with obviously having good cash flow in the way that your cycle of money comes in. You've leveraged that. We had one architect bring us from Queensland and said, oh my God, we've tried to hand over this mining village of I think it was 200 units. But when they went through to do the check, they forgot the blinds. We need 400 blinds by the end of next week. Really? I rang up the supplier. I said, right, yeah, they just want cream colour. They don't care what, just cream. I need 400 blinds by the end of next week. He said, okay. And he did it. And that's what it's all about. They paid for it on American Express and we had, they were all flowing up there on a private plane. They were all flowing up there and they got them in there and they, they handed over the whole village. But, yes, you go to your supplier and you can ask for anything. You've had a long journey in business in various different companies and you've always been an entrepreneur and a business owner. If you had your time again, what are some of the things that you'd do differently? I spent a long time working in a 5K radius sort of around our office where we had it when we were doing the curtains in the traditional way. I would go out and measure it. I'd come back and organise to get them made and then I'd go out and fit them. And then as we got a little bit bigger, we had other people doing that for us as well. I would have got into the internet earlier, but I wouldn't have changed much. Once we got our domain name, I don't think I would have changed much at all. No, I think we had it down pretty right. Yeah, I know you sold probably when you wanted to sell. Do you think you sold early? Do you think you were on a, you said 26% there. Do you think you could have gone at 18 oh, yeah. mil, 20 mil, and then you got a bigger check oh, at yeah. the end? Yeah. How much do you need? That's true. Who else do you know that flies his own five-seater plane? A turbine helicopter. Got that one. Oh, I've got a new helicopter on order. We live in a beautiful home and we fly around the world three times a year first class. What more do you want? Yeah. You've got to leave something behind for the buyer oh. to grow, right? I think that's important. And I, thought, I believe they've done so. Now, I've got a lot of young clients or a dynamic firm here at Alexander Spencer and there's lots of young clients starting out. Yeah, good. What advice would you give a client that is in e-commerce that is specifically wants to build that business for scale to exit? You've given some snippets, but what's one key success factor for that client? Never sell anything by the hour. There's only so many hours in a week. And I don't care if you're a brain surgeon or a barrister to Donald Trump. Never sell anything by the hour. Sell a product. 
always sell a product that can be scaled. Preferably, sell a product you don't make. You don't have to worry about that side of it. Get on the internet. You're now not dealing within a 5K radius. We were dealing all over Australia, and I'm taught all over Australia. And employ, as I said before, employ the best people in their fields. Make yourself look as professional and as polished as you can. I mean, we were over the top with making sure that every interaction with the customer was perfect. Our sampling, we had two laser cutters for cutting our samples. We had the sample labels were made specially for us with a special glue so they stick to all the fabrics. Our box that we posted out was the same cardboard that iPhones are sent out in, Sano Silk. We had four cards that went in it to show them how to measure, make all, you know, install and all that sort of stuff. So when they got our samples, and we would post out, oh, I forget what it was now, a thousand boxes a month, 80% of them came back as an invoice, as a job. The conversion on our samples was unbelievable. Every interaction with our business looked spot on. So when the samples hit the desk at home, the competition would have to be cut out with a pair of scissors and a stapled on piece of paper. What was I thinking? They'd grab ours and off we went. So we had a phenomenal turnover. And our showroom looked magic as well. Yeah, and I think when you're ordering blinds online that you need to fit yourself and you've got a sample to then... Because you don't know what the end product's going to look like. But if you get a really smick sample, well, it gives an indication of what the product's going to look like compared to your competitors if they've been stapling Take it, away right? the fear. Yeah. Take away the fear. You don't want somebody going, oh, I don't know how to measure this or how do I put it up. Oh, we had videos on how to put it up. We had drawings on how to, you know, measure and install and everything else. And we made it dead simple, every normal person. Did. I mean, you go and buy a rose at the nursery, you don't get a landscape gardener in to plant it for you. You go and dig a hole. Well, putting, <laughs> up, putting up a blind was a piece of cake by the time we finished. So you take away the fear. Even we had things, if we had two problems with a job and that was caused from our end, they get a full refund and they got the product for free. That is great. And that would happen like, you know, once a month or something or other. And the goodwill value out of that was unreal. When you're making good money, who cares? That is great advice. I'm going to write, I'm going to specifically write a blog article on your five tips. That was awesome. Now, did you, were you disruptive? In this, I said disruptive, disruptive in the industry because Blinds Online 2005 it's sent to you, do-it-yourself, sort of so that Bunnings approach. You said you had competition. Was there competition or did people go to Dollar Curves there, oh, and, there and buy the blinds? Oh, well, that's actually another interesting story. We would deal with people who would search on the internet. And this is another one. I'd like to explain. We started advertising on TV, Foxtel. We were spending about 40 grand a month on Foxtel because I was trying to convince people that you don't need to go into a shop to do your blinds. Oh, that's a great idea. But then one day in a dose of blinding reality, I realised that those people who shop online, search online. So I rang up the advertising guy and I said, right, kill all Foxtel. And he had a fit. I said, (laughs) no, we're just going to do Google AdWords. Again, we did that and I'm not kidding. We probably doubled our turnover again just on doing that. We had four big billboards up and, yeah, people who aren't go online, they don't look there. They go on the internet to do their research. So that's where it was important to get your search engine optimization spot on. And that worked incredibly. That was amazing. So was there other competition that did blinds on? So you weren't the first to market? No, and we were a bit behind the eight ball because we tried, as I say, three previous web developers that were all useless and things like that. So we were we were a couple of years behind. Now, if you wanted to go all again, and let's say you weren't traveling three times a year, and you had the energy, 
what business would you do again? You've been in window furnishings your whole life. If you, you got the money, you got the energy, what's the business you start up today? My father once taught me, do what you know. And I, we knew window furnishings, inside out and upside down. So that's what we did. I don't think I could have tried anything else. If I was talking to a young couple now, I would say get onto YouTube. I was just doing quick research this morning. And what's the most popular YouTube thing ever done? You heard of that really nasty song called Baby Shark? Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you know how many hits that has had? Almost 13 and a half billion hits. Yeah. Now, you also get about $6 per thousand hits. Now, my calculator wouldn't go up to 13 billion, so I had to work around it. Fact check it. It's like $70 million. Now, this video on the screen could have been done on a home computer. It's just animation behind a couple of kids. You got... Taylor Swift, three and a half billion hits and it's ticking over all the time, just constantly ticking over, making somebody money. So I would be looking seriously at something like that as well. Or as I say, find a product. There was a girl in the Herald Sun only a few weeks ago, young girl, in university, packed in university, went home and she started selling, of all things, plastic fingernails at home. You know, to stick them on yourself and shape them or whatever. Yeah, she got to like a million dollar turnover in 12 months. Mm. Now, here's a small item package-wise for transport. Our product was a nightmare to transport. A small package, high value, on the internet, get them out to the customer, and then that's also a product that they need to redo every few weeks. So once she starts, it grows. It's like a pyramid scheme. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I hope you had fun recording with me today. I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this episode. You're a big client of our firm at Alexander Spencer. I haven't looked after you personally, but my previous partners have. Jeffrey does. And I want to say, one, I'm proud to be part of your journey. But overall, thank you so much for coming on the line and sharing your story. Oh, not a problem. Glad to. This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna, and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's The Bottom Line.